0: The future is just like it's like it can be daunting. I don't know who I'm gonna be playing and like bringing kids into the world, right? That seems like a future that is that has a lot of unknowns in an exciting, beautiful way. I'm not like talking down on my job, like I feel so lucky to be able to do what I do. I want to feel more at ease with all of it.
1: Welcome to the signal podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanus, purpose coach to some of the leading voices in our culture today, from top CEOs to Hollywood stars, best-selling authors to world-class artists. In coaching these incredible humans, one truth has become abundantly clear. No matter who we are, we all carry pain, joy, and the desire to feel connected to a sense of purpose. This podcast is my way of extending some of the powerful lessons of my proven method to you so that hopefully you too can be inspired to heal the white noise of your limiting beliefs and tune into the signal of your intuitive wisdom. Welcome to Signal. This is a conversation between myself and Nico. Nico is a talented actor known for their roles in popular television. But today we talk about a new adventure unfolding in Nico's life and how Nico can orient themselves towards this new chapter while continuing to manage their successful career.
0: Hey, Signal listeners, thanks for tuning in to season two. A couple quick disclaimers before we get started. Maury is not a licensed therapist and this is not a therapy session. Intuition and purpose coaching with Maury is usually a six month process. And what you're about to hear is just a snippet of what these sessions sound like. That said, this is a real coaching session with real people featuring real strategies that Maury uses in her method. All right, let's get to today's episode.
1: All right, hi. Hi. How are you feeling today?
0: Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Not just today, but the last few weeks, uh, I have felt really fantastic and almost to a point where like i am trying i find myself trying to come up with some sort of excuse to like not be as happy as i am right now uh which is complicated Um, sounds familiar yeah but i'm i'm really good i'm feeling really 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 good
1: I love that. Is it attached to anything that's happening in the material world or is it just kind of a state of being? Did anything kick it off?
0: I mean, I'm sure Yeah, the answer is yes to all of those questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm working on a new job right now that is really uh, uh, gratifying as, as an actor. I get to work, actually, mm-hmm. uh, as mm-hmm. a some other jobs that I've had in the past where it was, I was just like playing versions of myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm off of all of social media. And that happened about almost a month ago at this point. And just like taking in any sort of information, I'm not reading any news. Like, I don't know what my friends are doing. I don't know what my family is doing. <laughs> like I'm right. just in my own bubble right now on this yeah. job. And it feels so good.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. So we have an hour together today. Tell me a little about if you could walk out of this hour with one puzzle piece figured out or one area of clarity. Hmm. What is that for you today?
0: Well, now I have two. I mean Okay, I tell two. me both. You jumped off with all of that. And now I have a whole other thing I want to talk about. I am starting, we are starting IVF next month. And okay planning on being a parent and just i've been working on we've been working on it for the last year and a half and we're finally starting a round of ivf which felt far away for a really long time and now it's here and it's arrived and like everything else in our lives is kind of taking a backseat to this okay um and just like prepping to be a dad and so like what that looks like a mom and a dad all of the above in one house and but then as my job is to play other people and this job right now currently is, is intense and dealing with a lot of like heavy addiction stuff. And uh, it's, it's just a, a emotionally charged project and bringing up a lot of stuff. And like, I, I live in multiple universes at once as I believe we all do. Right. But like, it's actually my job to inhabit space in a, Uh, complicated way Mm. sometimes it makes sense and most of the time it doesn't you know Mm. and I see it grab hold of certain parts of my life it feels somewhat out of control but not in a bad way like it's supposed to like I'm I'm grateful for it Mm. um but it's it's a weird thing you know
1: I really strikes me as no accident that you mentioned those two things together, actually,
0: Mm.
1: because they're not random. I think what I'm hearing from your, I'm trying to make sure it's, it's not fear. It's a little bit more managed than that. But what I'm hearing from your concerned side is here we are about to go through this life changing experience, first of all, for your partner and being there for them as they, I'm assuming they're the ones that are getting all of the treatments and all of the hormones and all of that. Is that right? Yep. Right. So being there for your partner as they go through what they're about to go through, then bringing a, a child into the world and what that means for you and your life and trying to navigate that while the reality is that you go in and out of different realities. And the question that's coming up that I'm hearing is like, well, who am I really? And how do I bring that, who I am really, to this process of parenthood? Does that resonate?
0: Yeah, for sure. Or any of us, really, you know?
1: Yeah. But, yes, I don't think that most of us walk around with that clarity. I have to say from you, I'm getting that you know. But it's like a it's a deeper, it's a more subconscious knowing.
0: Yeah. And it, it's like what I started with in there's always the little voice that's like trying to come up with some sort of excuse to not be happy or like, yes, it's not that I should be thinking about this from another lens. And I think that like politically, socially in the fields of social justice, like it, there's always the, the looking at it from a place of fight, right. Mm -hmm. Or fight. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: I just feel like I can't kick that a little bit right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, then I think that's a really juicy area for us to go into because I do think that we can create together a strategy for you to work, chip away at that. That's not going to be something you transform overnight, but when you have a conscious, mindful strategy for consistently addressing it, it transforms into something else. And so what I want to get clear on with you too is like, what do we want it to transform into what is the thing we're, we're looking for when we think about this constant sense of other shoes about to drop, sort of, you know, that sitting in this happiness is problematic in some way or that you need to cons- be concerned about what's coming down. Let me ask you before we go there, though, when you talk about playing this role and having to exist in multiple universes, how does that manifest for you in your personal day-to-day life and internal narrative? What are some of the outcomes or consequences?
0: I mean, day-to-day life, like, this is going to sound wild, but the the character just, like, pops in and out. Like, I feel things in a way that he would feel randomly. i will be in the shower and we'll just, like, step in and out.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And it just happens randomly. Uh, And I think just on a subconscious level, like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of screaming and crying that happens and just like a lot of purging that happens on this job. You know, after the purge, you you gotta you gotta heal, right? And I'm shooting this job at home. This is I live in New York and I'm working in New York. It's one thing to to be on a job on location, like you go to a hotel room and you get to like you have time to check. Leave it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm coming home and getting straight into bed with my partner, right? And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. what the transition is right now. Mm.
1: Um, when you are going in and out of this character, is there any internal narrative that has fear or discomfort around it? I mean,
0: not on a conscious level.
1: Okay. No. So when he pops in – What's your experience of that? Like, what? It, how does your, how does your brain explain that to you?
0: I'm hyper aware of it immediately. I know exactly what's happening, and I'm like able to pick it apart.
1: And how do you feel when it happens?
0: Heavy. heavy. I mean, it depends on the person. Like, it happens with all the characters that I play, and I do want to preface this conversation. Like, I don't believe that I'm this like hardcore method yeah. actor. And <laughs> live as this character full time, and I have no control of it. Like. It's, it's just part of the job. Like, it, it's bound to happen whether you want it to or not.
1: Yeah. You raised it as something that you wanted to bring into the session. What are you hoping to get around that issue or get to?
0: I guess just more awareness around it because it's not more control. I'm not looking for more control over it. I guess there's just like such, there's such an unknown in this part of my life, in this job. You know, I am working on other people's projects and other people's characters and like helping bring them all to life. And in television specifically, storylines aren't fixed. Or you have no idea really what's going to happen to this person that you are playing. And um, the future is just like, it's like, it can be daunting
1: right?
0: mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm, who I'm going to be playing and like bringing kids into the world, right? That seems like a future that is, that has a lot of unknowns in an exciting, beautiful way. I'm not like talking down on my job. Like I feel so lucky to be able to do what I do. Um, but it's definitely, it's daunting. Yeah. I guess I just, I want to feel more at ease with all of it.
1: Okay. So let's go back to this, um, uncertainty that you raised. Because I really think that's at the core of you all going through this IVF process and feeling this need to ensure that there's maybe a new level of certainty that you maybe didn't feel like was required before.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of what it means to be a parent in so many ways.
1: Okay. So let's talk about as a parent providing certainty, what do you perceive a child needs in terms of certainty from their parents? What are the kinds of things they need certainty around?
0: Well, when you phrase
1: it like that, more
0: <laughs> uh, just unconditional love and support, you know. Okay.
1: Is there anything else?
0: I mean something that the child needs. No. Yep.
1: Yeah? Okay. So unconditional love and support, we're going to put that to the side because we know that that is something you're aware that a child needs. Let me ask you, we're going to just kind of go laterally to the side for a minute and ask you a tangential question. In your career, as you have grown and evolved and gotten bigger and bigger roles, what has your process looked like? Has it looked very structured and certain and planned? Hmm. Or I'm going to let you tell me Uh, the
0: process in terms of like playing these characters and stepping into it
1: or getting these roles or yeah. Hmm.
0: Um, no, it's not structured or planned. I, I mean, I, I like to, I know that I'm good at what I do and I really love the process of, not just being on a job, but getting a job uh, and having conversations with creatives, even when, like when I was 15, you know, just like going in and seeing people as peers from a very young age. Mm. And just a- handling conversations as such. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So you said, I know I'm good at what I do, and I love the process is that certainty certainty and you have used that certainty to create opportunity
0: my whole life
1: this is your process that's it so the process (laughs) you're laughing why are you
0: laughing (laughs) because yes of course that's my fucking process
1: (laughs) (laughs) did you know that already i mean i'm yes
0: to a certain degree yes of course uh Historically, I have been very good in deciphering how I view the world uh, to, like, simplify it into one little thing like that. Uh, Like, I'm very, very, very good at it, which goes in line with my process, obviously. Um, And so it, it, it just makes me laugh. (laughs)
1: It's funny to have it reflected back to you. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So if my, do you have something to write with? Um, I can. It's okay, actually. You know what? You'll go back and you'll listen to this and you can take notes. Okay. If you want, because Mm -hmm. I do want you to use some of these strategies if they are valuable to you. Totally. So I am good at what I do and I love the process. And because of those things, I continue to create more and more opportunity to do my craft, do it well, and create security through it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, not just my craft. I mean, everything that I do, I put so much love into. And just like, even just like building a house right now, like that's been my my outlet. And I'm just really, I'm good at it. I love
1: it. Yeah. Okay. So if you're if this is who you are at your core, why does being a parent change that?
0: Well, it's another me.
1: It's another you. <laughs>
0: it's bringing in another version of not just me, but also my best friend into the house.
1: It's like okay.
0: there's a third. There's, there will be another spirit here.
1: Yes. Yeah. And how does that change your process of creating stability?
0: Well, because ju- it's not just uh, – I just – they will always come first. I just know that.
1: Absolutely.
0: I know that no matter what. So the process itself will be more outside
1: of myself, it seems. Why?
0: I don't know. I guess the responsibility feels the highest
1: hmm So the responsibility will be there. But your process for how you create life and home and opportunity and stability, does that change?
0: No. I mean, if anything, it becomes more, it becomes better.
1: Yes, <laughs> because when you have something like that to protect and fight for, you know, we live under the mythology. <laughs> That when we become parents, we transmutate into this other godlike creature outside of ourselves. When the reality is, it is who we are The godlike creature
0: inside of ourselves. <laughs>
1: that has been the godlike creature <laughs> who is creating the life that this child is coming to. And this child is coming to us because we are what they need, as we are today. Because as we are today, we have so much to teach them. So if your child, which is going to be a part of you and a part of your partner, comes into a home where you're putting on an act of a father, quote unquote, that is not aligned with your truth, how does that serve them?
0: Fear just showed up.
1: And what does fear say?
0: What if it doesn't work?
1: What if what doesn't work? i yeah. yeah. So you know what I want you to say to fear? First of all, let yourself have that. I want you to really, like, feel into that feeling. And just say to it, yeah, hope is really hard. I hear you that hoping for something... Wanting is really hard. Give it that love and that space. And I'm going to ask you now to take a deep breath, and I'm going to now tap into your higher self. This is your intuition. Can you already feel this third spirit in your house? Yes. Yes. So is there a knowingness that this is meant for you and your partner? Of course. Yeah. I'm getting that too. It just is. Okay? So this is where we get to introduce fear to intuition. This is where when I just asked you to give some space to that fear, you're not trying to shove it away. Because if you do that, Nico, it only comes back in different costumes at different moments and derails you, right? (laughs) And so what it's doing, the costume it's putting on right now is, okay, you didn't listen to me when we started talking about IVF or you didn't really give me the space. And so now you're happy and I'm going to come in and just try to make sure you're not totally happy. I'm going to come in at the moment that I know I can get your attention and be like, wait a minute, I need your attention. We want to give it a different outlet so it doesn't have to interrupt. So what I'm noticing here is that Nico talks about having this fear come up and pop up. Uh, And what we need to understand that we're going to dig into is what are the experiences or circumstances or people or words that they hear or that they experience that makes the fear pop up. And the reason that's important for them to get clarity on is so that they can start to build a strategy that prepares them for being aware that that circumstance or that person or that environment is going to bring this very specific fear up so that they're ready to go back and spend time with that fear voice after those Instances. It's really about building a strategy that allows you to be proactive and prepared for fear to enter the conversation. Generally, these days, what triggers that fear that just came up? What kinds of experiences or conversations make that voice pop up?
0: Conversations around addictions.
1: The specific fear of the IVF not working?
0: I mean, to be honest with you, I, I want to answer your fucking question.
1: Do you yeah. want to hear what I just witnessed?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: The minute we started talking about what a good parent you will be, the fear of voice popped in. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's what just happened, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because – actually, let me ask you a question. Has there been any instances in your life where you intuitively just know something is going to happen and it's happened? All the time. All the time. Can you bring to mind one of those times when you knew with all of your being that something was going to happen and it seemed impossible and fear started to do its thing and tell you that it wouldn't happen? Can you think of something where you were in that struggle?
0: Yeah. I mean, just getting to where I am and knowing that I was going to do this for the rest of my life.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, one of the strategies I use with myself anytime I get in that place is if someone had told me 10 years ago, I'd be doing this, I'd be like, absolute. My fear voice would be like, hell no. She's not capable of that.
0: Interesting. Right? No, I, but I, I very interesting. But I was going to say, like, it never existed, really. Like, I, my entire being knew, like, as a young, young kid, I just knew that this is what I was going to do, mm. and it, there was never a doubt, never a question. Um, and I, I would say, like, the fear voice started coming out when I got there, and I realized, like. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, you know.
1: Uh-huh. Did you, when you got there and realized it wasn't what it was what you thought it would be, did you intuit what was next? Did you change it?
0: Yeah. For did sure. it work out? For sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is a matter of of learning to deeply trust your intuition because your intuition is spot on. Clearly. And you also create. Like when you dream, you make it happen. That's what I'm sensing. For sure.
0: Any form of this like fear and anxiety really is somewhat uh, of a recent thing. Hasn't been something that I've really experienced for the majority of my life.
1: And Uh, did it start around the time that you started discussing IVF?
0: And when the world started falling apart all at the same time, it's like this idea of the fragility of life, right? It's already so difficult bringing any sort of life into the world or just sustaining life for that matter. And then like, as everything seems to be falling apart around us, you know, our soul, our sole purpose right now is to create life. And we haven't been able to do it.
1: And it's, Exhausting.
0: <sighs> yeah. I'm not just like taking care of myself right now, you know?
1: Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. And I. that's why I want you to give yourself room for the fear and the exhaustion and the disappointment. <laughs> because if we try too quickly to shake it off and just move forward, it doesn't have room to heal. And so all we keep doing is taking it forward with us, right? And it is blocking your ability to manifest. It's blocking your hope, right? Because what you just said is, if I dream it, it becomes real. If I intuit it, it is real. It becomes true. You can sense this this third member of your family. It's it just,
0: is. I heard there's a few of them running around here.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then- I would love for you to get in the practice of it is.
0: It is. Yeah, it is.
1: It is, period. And relaxing into the how being none of your business. That's hard when you're going through IVF. I hear you. I have so many good friends going through this right now. I feel you. One just had a baby last month and they tried four years. And one of the things she told me, which was so helpful for me as a fixer, as a coach, was, you know what I hate more than anything is people telling me it's just going to work out. Right? It's annoying. For sure. But you know what the truth is? When you know in the depth of your soul that it is, that's what matters.
0: And and to be honest with you, it's never been a question. I mean, we've known each other for 15 years and this is like always been the... for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah. So I, it's just you know it's fucking frustrating. Like I'm just not used to it, so it, it's annoying more than anything. It's annoying.
1: You're not used to to um, not being able to manifest something quickly. Yeah,
0: it's a timing thing. Really what it's really
1: it's a timing thing. Okay. So can we reframe this? Can we allow the frustration and the disappointment, the time it needs, but I'm going to give it a cutoff point, right? Like. 24 hours, okay? Can we allow it? And when we allow it, what I'm asking you to do is literally sit with it and give it that microphone on the stage. Okay, what are you worried about? What What would be the worst case scenario here? Why do you feel that way? It is becoming increasingly obvious that Nico is very intuitive. And what is happening here is really allowing Nico to build a process that works for themselves, that allows them to let the fear breathe, let it have the space that it needs so that it doesn't come back in a bigger, more disruptive way later, but that there is some boundaries around the fear so that intuition also gets to take the stage. And that once the fear has had the stage, that it learns to share it with intuition so that intuition can begin to speak about what it knows. And it's clear that Nico really has a deep sense of what they know. And what we are working on in this bit is really trying to help Nico introduce that intuitive knowing to the fear voice so that they both get airtime, but that the intuitive voice can help the fear voice heal. You know this because you've done the work, but you know that that fear voice is not some crazy dark cloud monster. It's a younger version of you. Of course, little bitch. Little, yes. So (laughs) if you can go find that little, right? That little and sit with that little and really put that little on the stage and say, what are you worried about right now? Whatever age that's at right? That's a consistent process. It's not a once in a while process. It's not a you go to your therapist and do it. It's a when that feeling comes up for you that's like, oh my God, it's not going to work or it's not working. That moment is where you stop, take a deep breath, five minutes. What are you, okay, wait, who are you? What are you worried about really? Mm. Give it the time. Let it talk to you. Don't try to fix it. Just, okay, yeah. Just like you don't want people to fix it when you tell them. Same thing for that little. It just needs some space so it doesn't try to get your attention. But 24 hours later, I want us to get back centered in the knowing, which is this is. And the dialogue with fear becomes, I want you to take my hand and journey back with me through our whole lives. When have we ever known something is? and it hasn't worked out. Has there ever been a time? No. This is no exception. This is no exception. Hope is frightening, but hope is how we create. We want something, and then we want it, and we hope for it, and that's how it comes to fruition. So if we're shutting hope down, we're literally shutting one of the engines down. What's coming up for you?
0: Well, I just started thinking about hope on a larger scale. Like
1: and what's coming up?
0: Reaching hope. No, I mean I was just it's just because it was floating in my head having that conversation about hope. Mm-hmm. And how it's been like demonized in a lot of ways. Like
1: Do you want it to be one of the tools you use? Do you know that it's been a tool you use to create yes. your life?
0: Yes, of course it's a tool that I use. I mean, it's yeah. the impossible is just it's where I've always lived in my head since I was a little kid. and am like.
1: Mm, say that again.
0: The impossible is where I've always lived and I've just made everything possible.
1: I make the impossible possible.
0: It's true. I do.
1: Can you please tell fear that? What if it doesn't work? What if this IVF doesn't work? You know what? I make the impossible possible.
0: There are ways. Yeah, no, of course. It's not even a question. Yeah.
1: So we're meeting that fear voice with hope. And we're going to do that courageously. Okay. And we're going to remind that fear voice. I always tell people if you cannot produce evidence for the thing you are telling me, it is fear. <laughs> Evidence. I want to see receipts. The evidence that you have right now is when we intuit it, it ends up being real. When we think something's impossible, we make it possible. That's your evidence. Your life has been your evidence. We will only use evidence. We're not going to bully fear. We're just going to show it data. Okay. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense.
1: Okay. So now let's go back to the conversation of certainty. What sort of certainty do you imagine now that this child that is requires of you that you don't currently create daily? Okay. So the other thing for you is my process is the process that has worked, is working, and will continue to work.
0: Forever, yeah. Forever.
1: Forever. This notion, and I don't know if it's a baby notion or it's grown to adolescence or it's a big one, but there's some seed planted in there that's telling you you have to be other than what you truly are to create this picture-perfect life for this child.
0: I get there's like a weird guilt around it that has come over the last few years. From having conversations publicly of I should that I should somehow feel guilty for the powers that I have. And I know that I am very, very powerful, morning. I know that I have always known that. And I just think the 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 way I kind of situated myself and the groups of people and the conversation I was having, like unless I called that out first why I am allotted these privileges of power, so to speak, right? Like I've, I've redefined power in a lot of ways over the last few years. And I think we have on a global scale and just like on a personal level, like I know all of these things, but like somehow in having conversations publicly, I was made to feel guilty about knowing these things.
1: Is that by a community that would call themselves activists?
0: I mean, who really calls themselves activists anymore? Like what does that even mean? A lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. Like
1: So the guilt, but I'm trying to get a, a texture for the guilt. The guilt is coming from people who who perceive that you're is it white privilege? Is I, it go down the list?
0: It's all of the privileges. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go down the list. That's just like that has been such a huge part of the conversation, right?
1: If you are on a path to be Healed and centered, and not create harm, but create impact. Are you sure that the others who have something to say about that are coming from that same frequency of creating purpose over harm?
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Okay. So when we engage with their reality, we are undergoing the very exhausting effort of lowering our frequency. From purpose to validation, from purpose to harm. And I know that this is something you intellectually understand, but I want to also speak to the part of you that allows themselves to be guilted, right? The question that I would love for you to ask yourself is, who is telling me to feel this way? And what is happening in their lives? And what efforts are they taking? to live their purpose. As a purpose coach, I can tell you that people are not out there aligned with their purpose most of the time. And when somebody has something to say about how someone else is living, what is that? It's a projection. Yeah. It's a distraction. It's a decision that instead of addressing self And the void that's sitting within self or the hatred that's sitting within self, it's easier for me to project this onto this person who has a bigger platform. That's all that that is. And that becomes your choice whether you buy into that narrative or not. So I am not saying frequency from a hierarchical standpoint.
0: Mm.
1: I am saying frequency from an energetic standpoint. And this is what I mean. When we are aligned with our truth, when we understand our purpose, and we live our purpose in alignment with our truth and are very aware not to create harm, and that's very important because there's a lot of people out there who know their purpose and live their purpose and are successful and create shit tons of harm. Okay, so that fine line of we are living our purpose, we understand our truth, but we are working hard to not create harm. When we do that, we are unencumbered by the triggers and trauma that make us behave badly. Now, we have triggers that show up, but when we're in alignment with our truth and our purpose, we're we're lighter because we're not coming from that unhealed trauma.
0: Can I... Get in here for a second? Yes, please. The harm thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so much of the way in which the social justice conversation has gone is to find harm no matter what, right? And like, let's just use the conversations about NFTs right, uh, how harmful they are to the planet, right? Or I just feel like harm can be relative. And yes. you find it fucking anywhere you want to look, you can find it. Yes. And so we all have to come up with our own parameters around, like, what harm is. Yes. What harm.
1: do you believe causing harm could look like for you?
0: I don't know. I just don't know how to answer
1: that question. Okay. So know. let's just get really basic about it. Yeah. I mean, I think the basic definition is not succeeding at the cost of someone else's well-being, not interacting with someone in a way that's diminutive or um, asking them to be smaller in order for you to feel larger.
0: But doesn't that kind of have to happen at some point? when you're climbing the ladder like the higher Tell upper, me more. I mean just I mean if like if we're talking about real power positions like I'm sure sh- like that
1: just has to happen what has to happen
0: you have to be larger than the other
1: person is do you have to be larger than the other person or can you be large and allow the other person to be what they are
0: right which is underneath you
1: underneath you hierarchically
0: hierarchically
1: on a, job. on a job, but you could be on a job with a production assistant who is full of purpose and confidence. And we don't need to tear that down in Works. order for us to, when I, so when I say larger, I don't mean seniority. Okay. I mean, in order for us to feel the magnitude of our greatness, there are people unhealed, that in order for them to feel greatness, other people have to remain small around them.
0: Yes, you're absolutely correct. Okay. That is how I see harm. I'm I'm arguing for the sake of arguing right now. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs)
1: No, it's fine. I I actually tell people I want them to push back because I want your brain to resonate as much as your energy, your soul is resonating with what we're doing. So if we're talking about harm in terms of their love of self, their acceptance of self, My question to you is, with total self-awareness, have you ever seen yourself operate in a way that requires other people to remain small so that you can feel good about yourself? Is it something that when I say it feels familiar or you're like, oh, yeah, I can sense that I've done that?
0: Uh, uh, A very, very far away place. Okay.
1: That's the awareness I want you to hold on to, right? Because... The guilt is really what it's asking you. Everything that is a, a hap- that is happening is part of us. None of it is disposable. And so the guilt is trying to be productive. What the guilt is saying is don't turn into an asshole. Okay? So just like we have a strategy for fear, which is to introduce it to data and evidence and intuition, the strategy for guilt is what? It is also, this is who I am and I will hold the awareness I will know, I will sense if I am coming from that place. That is the only commitment you can make is the self-awareness. Is the, I can detect, you can detect when you're veering in that direction, can't For you? Sure. That's sure. the commitment to guilt is that I will stay hyper vigilant in detecting when I'm veering in the direction of potentially creating harm to the way someone feels about themselves or the way they show up in the world. And I will catch it. You say, of course, but it's not something people consciously think of very often, particularly in positions of power.
0: Yes. I do not. I mean, this goes back to kind of what I said er, early on about seeing people as peers from a very young age. Like I do not put people in power on a pedestal. Half,
1: and you will not allow yourself to do that for you around others either. Correct. Correct. Even absolutely. if it's a seniority situation, even if you're directing a movie someday, you will ensure that the people, the crew around you feels energetically my favorite. and from a respect standpoint at your level.
0: It's my favorite part of the job is making okay. people feel that way. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that is also, it goes, this is, there's a theme here. That is who you are. So guilt and fear and critic, they're all sitting here at this table. The antidote to them taking hold of your life or to what I call pe- tell people pushing you out of the driver's seat and saying, get out of here, I'm driving. The antidote is for you to stand centered in your truth and say, no, but this is who I know I am. When I intuit, it happens. When I hope, it is. When I put intention behind something, it is with the intention of the highest good for myself and all else. I don't create harm in my innate presence in life.
0: Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Man, you, you you start to feel like you're not even like a, a person at at that point you know when you put yourself and you start believing in all those things like I have been through this journey multiple times a few different stages in my life and you you become more than a person right very very quickly I've tried having that conversation and making art and just living in that space uh, and We're just, as you know, we're just like, we're not ready. As a whole, we're not ready
1: to go there yet. And that's okay because all you can do is be the truth, your truth. The minute you start to worry, I tell people this all the time, if you are driving forward and you know there is an army following you, the minute you turn around and look to see where they're at, you've lost the course. Mm -hmm. So if you have this awareness that you've got to be centered in who you are and accountable to others, any effort you're taking to look back to see if people are there yet is a waste of time. (sighs) You can't express your vision and your purpose with your neck craned looking backward.
0: You absolutely cannot. You are
1: correct there. Or with your back bent, trying to pull people up with you. All right, so we are heading into territory that's really familiar to a lot of parents I speak to, which is this notion that you have to be something greater than you naturally are in order to be worthy of this child in order to be a good parent, in order to give them the life that you want. And the aha that we really wanna create here with Nico that you're about to hear is that they, in who they are naturally, are going to be everything this child needs and all that this child needs. And that is an aha that a lot of parents once they come to, can parent from a more honest, centered, loving uh, place that doesn't put so much pressure on themselves and on their children. The only way of showing people how to also be empowered in their truth and manifest their hope is by being it.
0: the people are you
1: when you say the people are you what does that mean for you
0: if you're doing it for the people like you're doing it for yourself i don't know i'm kind of lost in like a spiral right now currently no. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah that's that's right that's right that is the only way that you're going to do anything for anyone is by doing it for yourself your child included what your child needs to see is you being the youest you there is <sighs> You literally understanding your process so clearly that you live that process out loud. That model for your child, that's life-changing. And that is liberating. That is unconditional love. Mm, wow. I'm gonna be the meest me there is, so you can be the Uest you there is. I don't give a shit what that is. I have no details for you on what I expect that to be. I'm gonna let you watch me be me.
0: Some good shit right there.
1: what's your biggest reflection from this last hour and a half what are you going to take with you that stuck the most
0: I just what I love about this medium in general is that you do get the chance to go back and listen to the conversation that you had and I don't think people talk about that enough it's just the when in your life is that ever possible that you get to go back and listen to a conversation that was held Um, so I'm very excited to go back and listen to this
1: So there's so much that Nico is really thoughtfully thinking through and curious about and trying to create awareness around. And this happens a lot in these sessions when we're talking about purpose and intuition and even spirituality, where we start to want to understand everything all at once. And one of the key lessons I've learned in this method is to try and focus those more existential questions on how they're manifesting in their life today and what kind of pain or suffering or confusion they're causing. So that by focusing on a very specific experience, we can use that experience to, to learn from and then apply those learnings to these bigger spiritual questions. Thanks for listening to Signal. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by myself, Anais Aslami, and the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey Helmick and Lauren Hall. Please join us again next week for another great episode of Signal.